Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I realize that I probably won't be so lucky. Hello. Welcome back to This Ends at Prom. I am one of your co-hosts. I am BJ Colangelo, and I'm here, as always, with my wonderful, incredible, fantastic, I'm going to run out of adjectives for her one of these days, wife. You're a writer. I hope you don't run out of adjectives. Anyway, I am Harmony Colangelo. And today we are here talking about a big old favorite of mine, um, and one that I hope is also a favorite of yours. We are talking about 2003's Freaky Friday. So I want to first address that uh, the the Disney Corporation, uh, they love Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday is originally a novel um, by Mary Rogers from uh, 1972. It was then turned into a movie with Jodie Foster in the 70s. It was then a made-for-TV movie in the 90s with uh, Shelley Wong. And then we have the one that we'll be talking about today with Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. And there is also a newer version that is based on the Broadway musical um, of the same name. So Disney is pretty... uh, pretty firmly grasped on the Freaky Friday universe. I mean, it's just, there's so much you can do with the concept. Absolutely. It's one of these stories that uh, you can tell and retell. It's like Shakespeare. You can just keep reimagining it and the and the lesson remains the same. Sure. <laughs> I was going to say it's like a Doctor Who or an Avatar The Last Airbender, but I guess this involves less death. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good point to make. So, <laughs> talking about Freaky Friday, um, our our premise taken yet again from Fandango. I think I'm going to keep pulling the descriptions from Fandango um, because it's it's a nice uh, it's a nice source for it, and it's not like IMDb synopses, which can be written by anyone. Um, so, according to Fandango, Freaky Friday is about. Single mother Tess Coleman, starred by the iconic Jamie Lee Curtis, and her teenage daughter Anna, played by Lindsay Lohan, and they couldn't be more different, and it's driving them both insane. After receiving cryptic fortunes at a Chinese restaurant, the two wake up the next day to discover that they have somehow switched bodies. Unable to switch back, they are forced to masquerade as one another until a solution can be found, and in the process they develop a new sense of respect and understanding for one another. So Harmony, until this moment, what was your exposure to this particular Freaky Friday? 
This is the only Freaky Friday that I have seen, and according to people who have seen all or most of them, you know, the most recent one withstanding, this is the best one, so I feel pretty good about that. But, no, I've actually, I have seen this one several times. Like, as is going to be the case for a lot of these, it's been a while, but <laughs> I have very fond memories of this, especially because the soundtrack is a banger, and Jamie Lee Curtis is so good in this movie. Okay, so you have, you have fond memories of this. Can you expound upon any of that, um, if you can remember? I know that it's been a bit... Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably been a comfortable 15 years, at least, since I've seen this. Okay. But I... I mean, the, the easy thing is that Jamie Lee Curtis is incredible in everything she's mm -hmm. in, even if the film's bad. This obviously is not a bad film. It's very, very well done. Mm -hmm. But she is always the best thing about whatever movie she's in. And, like, Lindsay Lohan is playing the straight character in this, so she doesn't get to flex her acting chops in the same way that Jamie Lee Curtis does post-Body Swap, but it's still so much fun, and they work so well together. Plus, like, I'm, I'm a, I was a little punk, pop-punk kid who mm -hmm. loved Jimmy Eat World's The Middle and all of its ilk, so this movie and Lindsay Lohan's <laughs> girl pop-punk pop band with guys who don't have lines is perfect <laughs> for me. I was a humongous fan of this film when I was younger and I think a major part of it is that sort of pop punk aspect. I know that on the last episode I mentioned um, how I was a little scene kid and I think that some of my affinity for this movie definitely stems from Lindsay Lohan's character and I felt very seen by her. Um, and, and I just remember being like 13 years old and feeling really, you know, holier than thou because every time she whined like, oh, you're ruining my life. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so dramatic. I'm so glad I'm nothing like that while I was simultaneously cropping all of my flannel pajama pants into capris because that's what her character wore. She's a trendsetter. And I know for a fact that is not the most rebellious thing you were doing. You were sneaky about being dramatic. You know, that's true. Here's the thing. I was dramatic and I was a sneaky bad kid, but I was never a bad kid like on Front Street. My badness was always like way behind. You had to know me to know I was a bad kid. You had but to be in the know. <laughs> you had to be in the know to know that I was a bad kid. Um, but I, I really felt seen by that character because a lot of teen movies, they tend to focus on... Um, I guess kind of like on, on the more conventional characters, the girl next door sort of people. And to see someone like Lindsay Lohan who is talking about liking the vines and playing guitar and wearing plaid and, you know, wearing chokers and having like goth girls in her band, I felt like, oh, this is a movie for me. This movie is meant for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously a huge music dork. That's my thing. And when they were like, oh my god, I've got this rare vine imp vines import, and we had to look it up one time, because we had just found out like a week before rewatching this. Like, oh hey, the vines have been around since like the early 90s No, this or something. one, this one's for the hives. Oh, it's the hives? It's the hives. Oh, I just said I'm a music dork and then roasted <laughs> myself. Okay, cool. That's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, because there's that great line after the body swap happens where he's like, you, like, he's always like, hey, I got the hives. And she's like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> um, which is a very dumb, very 2003 joke, but it works very much for me. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so that sort of gives our, our, our background experiences with this film. So the first thing that we should discuss are our main characters. Look, I think something's happened to us. What are you? It's me, Mom. You're not my mother. Yes, I am. Get away, you clone freak! Don't you use that tone with me. Oh my god, you are my mother. So let's start off with Anna. Let's start off with Lindsay Lohan. How do you feel about this character post-body swap, um, pre-body swap? And I guess it becomes kind of complicated because if we're discussing the character of Anna, we're also discussing Jamie Lee Curtis's performance for most of the movie because that's Anna trapped in her mother's body. Yeah. I mean, okay, so the first, what it would be, 30 minutes or so is mm -hmm. the setup and... She's difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that her therapist mother, Jamie Lee Curtis, is not the best at handling her. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's a super invasion of privacy that she takes her door away, mm -hmm. which is not how you handle your children. Like, I grew up in a household where my parents didn't knock. They would just barge in, and it was like, well, it's my house. I'm, I can go where I want, which is, you know, not good parenting. But that, that creates the arc. So the character of Anna, like, post-body swap becomes, like, the super cool mom that the motorcycle-riding bad boy in school is, like, crushing over, even though he's like, this can't happen. I, I know I can't be with you, but I just feel connected. I'm going to loudly and badly sing outside your window on, like, your... the day before your wedding. <laughs> your wedding rehearsal night. Yes. So... She becomes the cool mom and, like, body surfs across, like, a stuffy talk show to Andrew W.K., but outside of the context, that's also bad mom behavior. <laughs> that's, like, the reckless party mom, which is also not good, which shows, like, oh, hey, you're clearly not mature, even if you are in a mature lady body. <laughs> yeah, I think Anna... Anna is just kind of like teen angst in a bottle, which I, I like that they went that direction with the character. And I like that she's kind of alternative because then you're adding this layer of also having to raise an alternative child, which it sounds really stupid, but I, I remember when I put pink highlights in my hair, I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And my dad was working in politics and it was like a bone of contention where people who were on the opposite side um, of my dad politically were saying things like, you know, if if he if he can't control his daughter, then how is he going to control this community when the only thing that had changed is I put pink in my hair. So there definitely is a little bit of a weird stigma and some some very strange sort of social connotations um, if you are the parent of an alternative child, which sounds so stupid because it should not matter. But the reality is that for a lot of people, especially in, you know, this kind of like, um, I, I know that they're they're in Los Angeles, but it almost feels like a like a suburb outside Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, it's it, it is it is something that matters to a lot of people, and it shouldn't, but it does. I mean, for sure, I think it's really interesting the things that Jamie Lee Curtis's character is freaking out about, and this is going to be another movie where I just call the characters by their actors' <laughs> names. 
but it's really weird to watch her freak out because she's not really doing anything bad, and that's rooted in that this is a Disney movie, obviously, but mm -hmm. she's not, like, having underage sex. She's not doing drugs. She's not doing any of these actual, like, rebellious kid things. She plays loud music in the garage and wants to date a very nice man on a motorcycle, and that's about it. My mom was freaking out when I was 17 and I was a, a young boy growing out my hair because, I, one, I liked 80s hair metal a lot, and two, because I was gonna going through some gender things, and she acted like it was the end of the world. And her friends had to legitimately like pull her aside and go, hey, like, this is not worth freaking out about. Like, there's so many worse things your kids can be doing that th this is not worth, like, causing big fights about. And I, it's, it's always really strange because you and I come from very differing um, parental backgrounds, um, especially, namely, with um, our, our moms, in the sense that I had every hair color you could imagine at some point and they didn't care. I frequently wore like the most outlandish clothing that I could possibly find um, and lots of goth clothes and they didn't care. They're like, my kid's a straight A student, like who cares? Um, but for a lot I of people- I wasn't, so maybe, the, maybe if <laughs> maybe I was, they would have been a little more forgiving. <laughs> but that's where, that's where a lot of these conflicts come from is that there are so many parents in this world that want their children to be a certain way and they have a very specific um, image in their heads of what they think their children are supposed to be and if they don't match that then there's something you know inherently wrong with them and I don't think that Tess feels that way about Anna or Jamie Lee Curtis feels that way about Lindsay Lohan um, I think that she's excited that her her daughter is sort of this you know rolls by the the beat of her own drum sort of person, but she doesn't fully understand it. And there, there's also this this sort of trauma response happening in the sense that, you know, the it's revealed that the dad is dead because obviously it's a Disney movie and fuck dads in Disney movies, they all die. Um, but the dad is dead and um, Jamie Lee Curtis is trying to remarry and that is going to cause strain within any relationship. Yeah, she's trying to get with NCIS guy <laughs> and... I don't know his character or actor name. His name's Ryan in it. Okay. And the only reason that I know that is because Jamie Lee has the line that, or like, I can't get married to Ryan. Ew! He, um. He's a perfectly fine looking dude. And I think I read at one point that he was once voted as sexiest man alive, like 17 years before this movie. <laughs> so, I mean, eh. He's fine. He's, he's a perfectly fine character. We'll get to him a little bit later. But now let's talk a little, we've been sort of talking about both of them interchangeably, which I think it's hard not to because they're body swapped for most of the movie. Yes. But let's talk about like Tess, like Tess Coleman. Um, so not necessarily Jamie Lee Curtis, but like the character of Tess Coleman, psychologist extraordinaire. Inside I'm old. I beg your pardon. Oh, I'm like the crypt keeper. Okay, that's enough. Well, I'll say that one of my favorite things about this movie is when Jamie Lee Curtis's character, played by Lindsay Lohan as Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> shaves off her era-appropriate mom mullet. Because <laughs> yes. I was complaining about it, like, the whole first half of the movie, because I couldn't stand looking at it. <laughs> and then, like, also, 
she never does quite get like the sick punk rock mom uh, outfit that she wears in on the box art for right. the movie in, or in the, the CD. In the plaid dress with like the leather jacket or yeah, whatever. She's got, like, no, it's like a denim jacket and there's like a choker and she's oh, got like spiky right. hair right. and like she goes to that full level instead of wearing her, her hippie mom dress, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's just not, it's not the same. But she is also very unlikable for the first half of this movie. And like even her, you know, soon to be husband, Ryan, <laughs> and her dad, who I is just basically he's characterized as Mermaid Man, screaming about earthquakes. <laughs> he really is. When the second you pointed that out when he's running around yelling earthquakes, and you're like, he's just Mermaid Man. I'm like, oh my god, you're right. Yeah, and then we were like, why does this man look like he's supposed to have a mustache? And you go, he yes, he's he is supposed to have a mustache. <laughs> this actor always has a mustache. <laughs> But uh, they're both trying to basically chill her out because she's being overbearing and controlling and constantly fighting with her daughter. Like, the brother's not as much of an issue. But it, it all helps towards, you know, the necessary arc once they switch over and she has this thing of like, oh, well, high school's not hard. I could totally do that. And then she goes and realizes that, no, the crappy English teacher does have it out for her daughter. And that, hey, Matt, this, um, questions in high school are much more difficult than I remember. This would be, it's mm-hmm. a great parallel to how common core math is these days. For real. Like, I always feel so bad when, when adults are like, I don't know how to do this math. And I'm like, yeah, I'm well, sorry. <laughs> I had this discussion the other day about it because, you know, one of our really good friends started teaching and had to learn how to do common core. And she goes, oh, well... I don't understand why you can't just teach them to memorize it. And I'm like, but then you're not teaching them how to do it. They're, mm-hmm. You're teaching them the answer rather than how to get to the answer. Right. Which is not actually good teaching. Yeah. I Like, it's not your fault. That's how it's always <laughs> been. But, like, this is actually a process. Yeah, there's a science behind it. And all... This, this is not a common core math podcast. Um, but, yeah, I definitely... I, I see that side of it because, you know, my, my own students learn learn Common Core, so I had to figure it out, too. Once you figure it out, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think that Tess, Tess's character um, before the swap and, you know, during it is somebody who's definitely got, you know, kind of this high-pressure job. She's a, like, a very renowned psychologist. Um, you know, she's got, like, four phones and a Palm Pilot and a Blackberry, and she's got a lot of stuff going on at once. She's planning a wedding. She's raising a family. Like, she's definitely stressed, and there's a lot of stuff, you know, going on with her. She's and the modern American single female <laughs> who does it all and has high-pressure, high-demand patience. Yeah, uh, yes, 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 she is. And I think that it's... The, the main criticism of Tess is I think it would be really easy to write her off as like, oh, she, you know, put her career before her family. I don't think that's what's happening. I think it's one of those moments where she is being stretched so much in so many directions because she's trying to be able to provide for her family so she can do things like, you know, pay for guitar lessons and, you know, rent out the rent out the apartment, uh, the garage, not the apartment, rent out the, the garage for band practice and, you know, taking the kids to school and doing all of these things that I think that she's She's burnt out is more than anything. What we're witnessing is somebody who is burnt out. I don't think she's a bad mom. I think she's just, she's done. She's exhausted and has no patience. Yeah. And, and that's, that's completely understandable, but it's hard. 
I think, especially when I was a kid, I remember watching her character and being like, oh my God, like she's so overbearing and she's a ball buster and I just ugh, I can't stand, you know, if I had a mom like that, I, could, I would never be able to live. And yeah, now as an adult, just don't understand. And now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, oh no, you're just burnt out. Like this isn't your fault. Like you're not inherently a bad, a bad mom or, you know, a, an irritable person. You're burnout and yeah. you need a break. Life's exhausting. There's um like there's even the exchange at one point um after they've body swapped where uh Anna inside Tess's body is eating french fries and Tess inside Anna's body takes the fries from her and is like no you can't eat that cuz you'll eat it and it'll go straight to my thighs and then she has that moment of like but I can eat this and I'll be fine and like the look of pure just euphoria on Lindsay Lohan's face when she's like, oh, this is the first French fry I've had in like six years or it's probably longer than that. And you have that moment of like, oh God, like she's so busy and so stressed and dealing with so much stuff that like she hasn't even enjoyed a French fry. Oh, that poor woman. Well, yeah, like she, I don't know how it is for your house growing up, but when my mom was stressed, we ate a lot of French fries. Because she'd be, like, coming home from work, because my parents got divorced when we were young, so she was single mom. And uh, when she'd be coming home from work, she's like, hey, I don't have time to cook. We're going to McDonald's or Wendy's, and I'm buying a bunch of things off the dollar menu. Pick one of those two things, because they were next to each other. Right. So the irony is, I ate a ton of french fries <laughs> when my mom was stressed and single. I love that. Um, so, so I think we have a pretty good idea of who these two characters are. So let's let's talk about some of these these side characters. Uh, which side characters resonated with you? Uh, I I like I like the soon to be boyfriend whose name I don't know. Ryan. No, the other one. The Lindsay Lohan boyfriend. Jake. Yeah, I like him. Like <laughs> Ryan's fine. He's he's plain, but he's level. He's good for her. Fine. But no, like, obviously I like the cool boy. I wanted to be the cool boy, but I mean, I didn't want to look like that. I was a little more like, man, I really want to look like Slash from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I want to wear cowboy boots and leather pants. But like, that was the kind of cool person I wanted to be, because I wanted to be like, with the cool alternative chicks and ride a motorcycle and like, oh my god, you also listen to the Libertines? Let's talk about it. <laughs> I have such mixed feelings about Jake as a 13-year-old. Um, you know, living, living large in that compulsory heterosexuality, I was like, yeah, that's the boy that I'm supposed to like, um, because I was like a cool alt chick or whatever. And yeah. we listened to the same type of music and, oh, he likes, you know, punk covers of Britney Spears. Yeah, that's the kind of guy for me. My loneliness is killing me and I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe. And then now looking back at it as an adult, I think he is the biggest creep uh, for a couple reasons. One, um, I think that he's a creep because he is, you know, scamming on high school girls, even though he's not technically a high schooler. Is he not a high schooler? He's not a high schooler. He oh. works at the high school. Oh, I don't like that. And I feel... I just, he was always at the high school. I just assumed he was a high schooler. No, he works at the high school. Oh. And I feel... That's, that's kind of McConaughey in Days to Confuse. I don't like that anymore. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. And but I he's think, not as creepy as that. I think they did that... Good. I think they did that specifically to justify his later obsession with Jamie Lee Curtis and that, like, oh, it's not a 
high school boy. Like he's technically an adult. Um, so I mean, it's okay he's, he's that like he's probably like 19. He's probably like 19 or 20, right? Like he's not that much older than Lindsay Lohan's character, but still, if you are not a high schooler and you're scamming on who is like a 15, 16 year old, you're a fucking creep. Like, and there's, there's no shame in, you know, age gap relationships, like do what you want. But when people are still in high school versus not in high school, um, unless it's like, you know, a year or so and like you were together in high school, like there's some weird sort of dynamics that I, I'm, I personally am a little uncomfortable with. Well, yeah, there's, there's certain thresholds where once you're above 21 and like you can go to bars, you can drink, you can do these things, then this causes like a, a social riff where mm-hmm. you're just not on the same level as people. Once you're in college versus high school, that creates a different dynamic. Once you're out of high school and or out of college and people are still in and you're out experiencing the world and what that's like to be actually out and not in like an academic structured setting, that's different. There are certain levels and when you're younger, like those not that big differences are a lot bigger. Right. And I think that that's, that's something that I obviously did not recognize until I was older. Um, but the main things that kind of give me red flags about him is that one, he is so reminiscent um, of the boys in high school that were interested in me, the ones who, you know, made me mixtapes, the ones that, uh, you know, did these big, giant grand romantic gestures because nobody taught them that say anything is just a fucking movie um well yeah i mean that's (laughs) that's what jake's doing and like i don't think that that's necessarily him being a skeeve on purpose it's just that's what he thinks he's supposed to do agree like he's he's conditioned badly and that makes him a weirdo and that's that's where i have these sort of reservations about that character but the the biggest red flag for me on him is how quickly he just dives into his obsession with Jamie Lee Curtis and like first and foremost let it be known I am also obsessed with Jamie Lee Curtis and I too think she is the coolest person in the world and also like (laughs) one of the nicest moms in real life yeah she's there we are both big fans of of the game grumps and there's an episode where she is playing with her her son um with these two and they're what are they what game are they playing they're playing mario party they're playing mario party and you can just hear her being a mom to her son oh yeah she's she's just being like oh i'm so proud of you like that was so good where you're doing great and like she's so nice yeah the only only reason she's on that show is because her son was a big fan and like it was for his birthday I think that she agreed to do get on the show to get him there. Right. And like, this is also not like a small child. Like her son is an adult. Yeah. And she's still being like, I'm so proud of you. Like, great job. And it's like, oh my God, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jesus you're incredible. Wonderful. Um, but I would like to formally change my answer. I do not relate to Jake now that he I, he's older uh, and not in high school. And that's weird. I would <laughs> like to relate to the kind of heavy set, curly haired bass player who gets maybe <laughs> one line in the movie. Cause that is also kind of story of my life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you mentioned that when we were watching it, too. You were like, I would have been that kid. I would. I mean, I, I did lose weight in high school, but I was I grew up a fat kid, so I was <laughs> that absolutely was my life. I was, a, I was a background character who just happened to stand out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't, it doesn't help the fact that you're a tree, so, like, you're... I used to be a very thick-trunked tree. <laughs> and, now, and now you're nice and... Uh... Like a palm tree now. Yeah, you're like a palm tree. I like that. That's a good description. I am, I'm tree trunks and like I'm tree trunks as in like the elephant from Adventure Time tree trunks. Um, so never made me a pie. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. I should do that sometime. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but, ja- <laughs> but Jake is, you know, obsessed with Jamie Lee Curtis. He's, like, showing up outside her house. He's showing up at her rehearsal dinner. Like, this is not very good behavior. And no. I understand that a lot of it probably does stem from, like, this, especially in 2003, when we have kind of, like, our emo explosion and, like, our scene kid explosion. Um, a lot of the, the bands that were really popular were writing music about these gigantic gestures where like every relationship is the is the relationship and if it doesn't work it's gonna ruin your life like that's where things were at so i understand why he's doing this because he thinks this is what he's supposed to do but in hindsight i'm just like bro no 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 yeah (laughs) um so that's that's uh that's my feelings on jake um but there are also uh, there are also some major side characters that um Definitely rewatching. Uh, I have to take pause, and it is the the family who owns House of Chang. Oh yeah. I mean, okay. First of all, I wanna I wanna mention that the daughter like knows her mom has done this before, and yet she keeps doing it. With Grandma him. is a serial body swapper. Okay. When we woke up this morning, we weren't ourselves. Yeah. Oh, Mama! Hey, 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 hey! You come back here. So we have we have Pepe, who is played by Ro- uh, Rosalind Chow, who most people will know from the Joy Luck Club, and then we have her mom, who is no joke credited as. Pepe's mom like she does not even get a name and I remember as a kid and there's even a part of me even now that like I have to genuinely remind myself that like I have to to separate between nostalgia and the reality of the situation these characters are playing some pretty harsh Asian stereotypes yeah um they are working in the Chinese restaurant um you know Mama is always smiling, kind of like that, like, you know, oh, Asian women are docile and always trying to make you happy sort of thing. Um, They are using what is, like, described as... um, as like Asian magic or the, the, the worser term of the, the Oriental magic trope in that they are, they are responsible for the body swapping through fortune cookies. Um, Like that's really hard to kind of process. Um, Then we also have the fact that they swapped in the first place is because uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan are arguing and mama comes over and starts speaking to them in Mandarin and it's clearly like annoying the shit out of Jamie Lee Curtis's character to where she finally is like fine 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 we'll take the cookie and like waves her off and it's like yikes like as a kid you know you don't really pick up on that until you have sort of that education that language to recognize what is happening oh yeah um especially as I mean if if our images didn't give it away like we're both white people (laughs) um so you know it it's it's such a weird thing because Asian representation in cinema is still so um, so offensive uh-huh. in a lot of, of cases. I mean, I grew up with a lot of bad Asian stereotypes, unfortunately, 
Like, you have 16 Candles, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. the same actor in The Goonies. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's... It's, it's just a thing that, I, when I grew up watching this, I didn't think anything of it because I was in an almost exclusively white suburb and knew no Asian people at the time. But that also was all of my exposure was, oh, it's just, that's just how Asian people are. Yeah, it's, it's really frustrating um, to, to look back on it. And I see this and it's like you could have had so many different ways to have instilled how they're going to do the body swap. And by doing this like weird racial stereotypes like subplot, um, it, it's very, very hard to kind of like watch that now. Um, and I, I, I gotta admit, it kind of, like, it kind of, like, blew my mind. Not blow my mind in the sense that, like, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, can you believe how offensive this is? It's like, but seeing, like, what we, what we gave a pass to in 2003, and, like, what we just didn't recognize. Because if, if this were any other demographic, um, I think it would have been flagged immediately. But because it's you know, an Asian community, people just like took it at face value. And that's, that's really uncomfortable. That said, I think the, the intentions of the character of Pepe, um, I think are really fun. I love that she, she really does care about people. She really does want to help. She's, you know, she's a very lively character. Um, you know, she, she's clearly trying to, trying to get her mom to stop like messing and meddling with people. But she also very much cares about her business, cares about her family. Um, and I like that she, she offers some, she offers some like needed pleasantness. Um, she's very pleasant with a lot of characters who are constantly like bickering and being assholes. But you know, then again, that also like falls into that trope of like, well, Asian people are always happy. And like, that's also shitty. Um, so it's, it's a complicated, it's a complicated thing to sort of dive into. And as white people, like it's definitely not our position or our place to say what is or isn't offensive. But if my white ass can look at this and go, Ooh, yikes, this is a, this feels not okay, then that's, that's really saying something. I have nothing additional to contribute other than (laughs) I agree (laughs) because you pretty well covered that. (laughs) So, I mean, these are, these are our side, our side characters. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about the things that we like about it. So what are, what are, what do you like about these relationships, the way that they, that they can, these characters connect with one another, um, any themes, uh, what, what are your, what are your takeaways? One, I think this movie is very fun, and that is one of my biggest criteria for any movie, especially if it's trying to be fun, some movies definitely aren't, mm-hmm. but it's trying to be very fun, and I think it succeeds, because the writing's very good, and the characters are very fun, and they're played very well, so... You know, racism aside, and maybe like suspend your disbelief for magic fortune cookies a little bit. I think everything is very believable in this film. I believe Lindsay Lohan as Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter. I believe all their performances. I like how the characters play off of each other. Anna, do you really think that your surliness is the best way for you to get what you want? I'm sorry, Mom. I really have been stressing in school, and I deserved every single one of those trips to detention. And I'm going to apologize to Cece Hankhouse and Mr. Bates. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'll try and do better, Mom. I'll really, really try. 
All right, what do you want? As someone who grew up in this demographic, I would have been probably 12 years old when this came out, 13 maybe. Mm-hmm. That's, I was the absolute right age to have seen this. Mm-hmm. So this felt, I mean, I wasn't in high school, but this felt like what high school was supposed to be like. This felt like what interactions were supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Seeing people like Avril Lavigne and then a slightly more hardcore version in the form of Lindsay Lohan was like, yeah, of course. She's not on the radio. She's like a rebel. <laughs> I love the, um, I love the, like in the opening scene, she gets ready to go to school. She shows up at school and sees a girl wearing the exact same shirt. So her, uh, her decision to combat that is to just wear the shirt inside out and sort of like make it a new look. And that is like the pettiest, stupidest, like high school thing but yeah. that is such a real interaction. Oh, yeah. I mean, in my high school, everyone wore the same clothes all the time because they all shopped at the same three places. It was you go to the mall and you go to, like, Airpostel, American Eagle, or Hot Topic, depending on your flavor. Mm-hmm. And that was it. But also in that intro, you are forgetting that it is the best Simple Plan song. You know... That's a very good point. And I love, I love sort of that transition from like the turtles into simple plan um, with the, the hit of the, the hit of the alarm clock, because it lets you know immediately like where we're at, what kind of energy we're bringing to this. Um, It's the duality of the movie. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but it's, it's smart. It's a really smart way to do it. And I, I like that about it. The, the soundtrack is definitely one of the key points to this because we've not only got like a lot of these, like, you know, uh, punk goes pop sort of covers which were a huge thing in the early 2000s um but we have pink slip we have Lindsay lohan's band yeah and the the main song that they play in the garage and then again at their house of blues audition is a song by an australian girl like rock band called lash um which is something i obviously did not know as a 13 year old i thought like oh cool they wrote this for the movie but it's such a perfect song it's like the right amount of like alternative rock uh, the right amount of like riot girl and the right amount of kind of shallow enough to be written by high schoolers yeah it's like it's just simple enough to where it makes sense that this would be a song that like the high school cool girl band would play yeah um but speaking of playing Something that we learned while rewatching oh, this. So unbelievable. Is that both Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis learned to play guitar for this movie, and Jamie Lee Curtis actually shreds out that solo. Which is so cool to me because. And the, the solo is one of those guitar solos that, like, if you don't know anything about music, you're like, wow, that's incredibly impressive. Like, that, oh man. And, like, once you, like, learn music, you're like, oh no, that makes sense. Like, you could learn that. Like, that's oh, yeah. really, really cool. Most um, of the most impressive sounding guitar is not hard to play. Uh, the, as I push up my music glasses with my middle finger, uh, Eruption by Van Halen is actually extremely simple to play. <laughs> so it's not very impressive when everyone busts it out. <laughs> Uh, but I also think they do a really smart thing in this movie in that, um, Lindsay Lohan is like the lead guitar player of their band. She's not the lead vocalist. Which is Um, a change. Which is, which is a change because this is right about the time that Lindsay Lohan was starting, um, her stint as, as a music performer. But they have Christina Vidal on, on lead vocals and most people may know her from, she was uh, in Brink. Um, she had a show called um, 
uh, Tayana when she was younger. Uh, she has like a brief stint in Welcome to the Dollhouse, but now she's uh, the the main wife on a show called United We Fall with Will Sasso. So uh, she's uh, okay. she's made the transition into like uh, you know the, the kind of shows that like your parents probably watch on like CBS, like 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 the Big Bang Theory block of programming. She's on one of those shows now. Um, but for me, she she will always be the uh, the girl rollerblader uh, from the Brink movie. Uh, which I, I love. But Christina Vidal's... I've seen like one <laughs> clip of that movie. Oh, it's so You good. showed me like a single it's clip. so amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but having her as the lead singer, I think really, really works for this because I think having Anna be the lead singer of the band would have changed... I think it would have changed Jamie Lee Curtis's character's um, visions and understanding of of the band. Like if she's the lead singer, if she's in charge, if she's the leader, if she's in, on top of everything, I think it would have been a lot easier for Tess to be like, oh, she's really passionate about this. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she's just the lead guitar player, not like just the lead guitar player, but the fact that she's the lead guitar player and not the lead vocalist, I think it makes it easier for that character to excuse it as like, oh, this is just like a thing that you're doing and not take it, take it quite as seriously. Um, yeah. I would relate her character sort of to a a Joan Cusack in School of Rock sort of thing, where that character doesn't know who plays guitar in Stevie Nicks' band, but she knows who Stevie Nicks is. Right. I mean, which is something that Tess Coleman does not know, because when she says, like, you are, like, or, yeah, she's like, you look like Stevie Nicks, like, who's that? But that's, um... I think it's who's it's, he. Oh, yeah, who's he? Yeah. Um, and that's uh, the Lindsay Lohan character inside Jamie Lee Curtis not knowing who Stevie Nicks is. Which is funny, because that's the second episode we've done in a row where that joke was made because it was made with Billie Holiday in the <laughs> yeah. Clueless episode. Yeah, so two, two in a row where uh, a, a very famous woman musician is misgendered because they have a gender neutral uh, or seemingly masculine name. Which... Where's my Alice Cooper humor? Oh god, where? Where is it? On Riverdale, that's Honest, where it is. It's honestly, on Riverdale. Honestly, <laughs> he makes that joke himself in the song Be My Lover, so eh. I can't do this. It was horrifying. No, no, it's okay, Mom. I unplugged you. Just go back out there and fake it. No, I don't even know how to do that. Come on, Mom. You can't tell me you never went to a rock concert. Okay, I saw the Stones one. Okay, great, great. Just go out there and act like Keith. Right. Yeah. Richard's mom. I knew that. The the main relationship that I I like to focus on in this is I love that this is a mother daughter movie um, because a lot of a lot of teen movies the relationship with the mother tends to be um, very very strained or it's really non-existent. I mean I think about a lot of the teen movies of the eighties you know which tend to be John Hughes movies um, and a lot of times the main parental relationship they're dealing with is their fathers yeah. um, even with something like a 16 candles you know she's having the heart to heart at night with her dad and not with mom um, and if we look at a lot of teen movies meant for boys it tends to be you know the father and son relationship or it's the the learning and understanding of the mother and the son and like you know learning to love each other um, but the mother-daughter thing, it tends to be reserved for movies not for teen girls, but instead movies for moms. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of your it's a lot of your stepmom. It's a lot of your um, 
pretty much anything with Sandra Bullock in it. Uh, just kidding. No, she actually doesn't do a lot of those types. But a lot of these movies that are about like mother-daughter relationships, they're not geared towards teenagers. They're geared towards moms. No, and maybe it's just that I'm getting older, but I really am appreciating, I guess, revisiting these movies, but also just in general, seeing good parent-child relationships. Because, you know, I'm you're 30, I'm almost 30, so we're hitting the point where some of our friends are having kids or mm-hmm. some friends have had kids for a while. And I just sit there and go like, Oh my God, you're like such a good mom or like you're, you're like the best dad. And it just mm-hmm. makes me really happy despite the fact that I don't want kids. And mm-hmm. I in general kind of don't much care for them, but <laughs> it's, I just really, really like seeing that. It makes me so happy when I see it written very well and convincingly and positively. I think too, there's, there's also something really nice about seeing a a healthy or at least learning to understand sort of like this generational um, divide um, in a movie because the beauty of Freaky Friday is that, yes, you can, they can keep retelling this story forever and yeah. ever. And they probably will because, I mean, they own the property. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, because this this divide between parents and children and like understanding each other that's always going to exist. Mm-hmm. Like the the things that we find funny, the music we listen to, the the way that the world around us changes, that's going to continue to change and, you know, eventually we will be the Tess Coleman's looking at, you know, our kids generations and having no idea what they're going through, what they're talking about because things things are different. And there are there are fundamental truths in a lot of in a lot of these generational understanding movies, um, things like you know, life is hard for everybody, and I forgot how hard life was as a teenager. Like that will be always there. Um, but I like that this movie does, I think, a really good job at acknowledging that the experiences that we have as teenagers are not going to be the same experiences that the teenagers that come after us are going to happen. And I think a lot of the Freaky Friday movies, um, they tend to focus on the we're not so different after all. And this one focuses a lot on the, oh no, we are different and I need to accept and understand that we're different. Yeah. You're going to always have generational divides and Freaky Friday as like a plot device is literally walking a mile in someone else's shoes, basically. Mm-hmm. And you you can tell that story forever Especially as, oh, I, I, I want Disney to make like a wildly political version of this. Mm-hmm. They never will. Right. But I want that because the world is very split. Like there is a very distinctive rift between certain, certain age groups. Basically right. us and people younger than us and our parents. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much fighting and I want that story to be told. Disney won't. Yeah, of course they wouldn't. But like, something... I want it. <laughs> Something that I think would be, like, really fascinating to me, like, genuinely fascinating, and obviously this is coming from a a personal feeling, but I would love for there to be, like, a Freaky Friday where a parent swaps with their child and their child is somewhere outside of the norm, I should say. Like, so, the, so like not, the social norm. Not in norm. the sense of this. Not in the sense of, like, oh, they're alternative, which I think that's a really good like that was a good way of approaching it for, for 2003. But now for like 2020, like what if their child is gay? What if their child, you know, is, is 
trans. Te- teacher, I have a question. <laughs> yes, what is that? As someone who's seen no other Freaky Friday movies, isn't Jodie Foster like super lesbian in the original? She's a tomboy. She's not a lesbian. I've seen clips. She seems pretty lesbian. Well, that's everything Jodie Foster did as a child. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but it's not It's not canonical. It's just like, oh, she's the tomboy and she plays sports. Fine. Um, but if it is something where, you know, because I, I still see parents who are like, Trump supporters, but then their children are like liberal queer vegans. And they're like, oh, we just don't talk about it. And it's like, I would love to see a Freaky Friday where a parent has to like deal with that and understand that. And, you know, that would be more of a learning experience for the parent because, but then at the same time, it's like, I don't want to put a child in, into a body of a Trump supporter and them having to like exist in a world where people talk to them like that. Like they got to go to the PTA and get into, they have to interact with their friends list on Facebook. That's just a bunch of people in their car with sunglasses on ranting about black lives matter. Right. Like that's going to, that would be there. You can't get away with that. That (laughs) would be terrible. It'd be really upsetting. It would be such a traumatic experience to put a child through. But at the same time, like, you know, then you could have, you know, that adult, be the one adult who finally says something yeah. and is like, no, this is not okay and here's why. Yeah, and because like, people of that age don't listen to they don't listen kids to younger they kids. go, oh, you're young and you don't know. You'll get more conservative as you get older. Exactly. So, I mean, that could be something. Or, in all honesty, let's do a Freaky Friday that's not just about white people because yeah. they are. And, uh, I mean, there's definitely been body swap movies that have existed for, for other... Um, for other groups of people, but they don't have, you know, they don't have the Disney brand recognition of Freaky Friday. They don't have the Disney um, machine of marketing. Exactly. It. They don't have the, they don't have the machine of marketing behind it. Um, but I think that would be interesting. Like, look at like, how do these generational differences impact people of different races and ethnicities and religions and, you know, classes, because they tend to focus, these movies tend to focus on like upper middle class people anyway, too. And it's like, no, like how, how is it now going? Going to school if you're somebody who lives in poverty and you know how is it having to like have your parents work three jobs like I would love to see something like that I think if we're if we know that there is power in this property and having these discussions on learning more about generational differences it should we, we should change the uh, we should change the subject matter a little bit I want a TV series where they do this oh that would be cool yeah yeah, I think a TV series would be really successful or maybe some sort of like anthology film where that's the that's the connection is that they're all body swap stories, but in different ways. I think that would be really successful and I think that'd be something really interesting. And now that they have Disney Plus, I don't see why they wouldn't or couldn't do it. Yeah, Freaky Friday, the TV series. It's going to be so many Freaky Fridays. And then they start naming the episodes like the movie Friday. So each episode is just progressively... Freaky Friday after next. Yeah, I just want them to be named like that. And then after they get past the first three, then they have to go off the rails because it's going to make less and less sense. It'll be great. I would love. I would love for something like that. (laughs) So um, how do you feel about the aspects of girlhood and I guess in this situation also womanhood because we're dealing with not just teen girls but also an adult in this situation? Um, as somebody who came to girlhood by their own volition and choice, how do you how do you feel about Freaky Friday and and its its ladyhood? I never want to go back to high school. Okay, let's and talk all, about that. I never want to go back to high school, and I never want to be a corporate adult. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of my my big takeaways of this. But high school just seems awful. Like, I didn't enjoy my time really there. It was more of a, 
you just have to grit your teeth and bear it to get through it. It wasn't particularly terrible. It just was not stimulating. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't want to deal. I especially like if I went back to high school as you know, experience it as a teen girl, which I obviously didn't. I was a, a teen boy. But if I went back to it. In that space, I don't want to deal with the, oh, you used to be my friend and come over to my sleepovers, but now you're like a popular girl and being a bitch. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with needlessly mean people or having to frustrate my way through this. People do that enough as adults because they've never moved on. I don't want to go back to an enclosed biodome of this. I'm glad that you you bring up sort of that... The, the I think her name's Stacy, the Stacy character, and it how Stacy, <laughs> and how they were friends when they were kids, and then now they're not. And there are a few films that I think capture that better than Freaky Friday, and the one that I think does it the best is Eighth Grade. Oh, about Easy A. Easy A is pretty good. Too. Wait, no, they weren't friends growing no, up, were they? they no, no, but Amanda crazy. Bynes is just the crazy Christian girl. Yeah, but okay. there's there's um. There's this thing that happens when we talk about these generational disconnects where I think sometimes parents forget that people change and like who you were friends with as a child are not going to be who you're friends with as you get older. Oh yeah, they have a a snapshot of you at one point and then they blink because they're dealing with their own things and when they reopen their eyes you're a different person mm-hmm. especially because kids go through kids and teens go through so many phases oh absolutely there's there's so many changes your friend groups change constantly what you like changes constantly and a lot of times the things that you like and the things that you value that has a big fa- like a th- those are big factors in the friend groups that you keep yeah and i think sometimes parents can't they can't get through that because in their brain it's like, no, you're still six years old playing in the backyard sprinkler with, you know, so-and-so down the street, not realizing, like, you, you look at Stacy and you look at Lindsay Lohan and you're like, oh, they have nothing in common. Of course no, they they're sh- not friends. they shouldn't be friends. No way are those two friends. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's not to say that, like, people from different cliques can't be friends. Like, no, I get that, but... There's also no desire to be friends. Right. There's no desire to be friends there, but, like, parents are like, oh, but you were such good friends when you were kids. When all the only (laughs) things you had in common were super vapid nothingness. Or that you lived on the same street because you didn't have access to other people. Yeah. I hung out with people, like, down the street from me who I had nothing in common with. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because my, like, my own mom sometimes will do that. Where, you know, I don't I don't live where I grew up. I really, for the most part, do not keep in contact with anybody that I grew up with. Like, it's very, very few. And every once in a while, because, you know, she's still Facebook friends with them, even though I'm not or something, she'll be like, oh, well, you know, have you talked to so-and-so? Like, you know, they're doing this thing or they're doing this thing. And I'm like, no. Like, I, I'm not keeping up with them. And it's like, well, you used to be such good friends. What happened? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, they vote for Trump and they started a mommy blog. Like, we don't have anything in common. Why would I keep someone like that in my life? I get that from my mom, too, where she's still in my hometown and it's only, like, 12,000 people, so... She'd be like, oh, so-and-so that you were friends with in, like, fifth grade got married. Isn't that cool? I don't care. (laughs) Like, whoop-de-doo. I'm not even friends with, like, anybody I went to high school with. I think there's, like, two and we don't even really talk that much. I also got, she gave me a little bit of shit because I had no intentions of going back for my high school reunion. And she's like, well, why don't you want to go back to your high school reunion? And I was like, well, because the very uh, sort of act of a high school reunion is to see what everyone has been doing in 10 years. 
And that doesn't exist anymore because we have Facebook and we have Twitter and we have Instagram and I know what everyone's doing. I know who has left and done cool things and are now living their lives and living their dreams. I, I know who is still in the hometown working for their parents, marrying the person they took to prom, having 12 kids and like that's their life too. And that's cool. Like do what makes you happy. Live your life. I don't need to spend money to go to some ballroom to sit around people who didn't like me when I was there in the first place for all of us to go, hey, what have you been up to? Exactly what I saw on Facebook last week? Cool. Uh, this is pointless. Like, I don't need to be there. What's really funny is, like, your, your experience with that is so... I, I had a really unique thing with my 10-year high school reunion. where I, I mean, I didn't go either, but I swear they were calling me out through whatever, like, <laughs> grapevine they found me through, because obviously my name and my everything isn't isn't the same, but they the original plan was like, well, hey, we re we'll reserve a section of tickets at the Cleveland Indians game, and then we'll have a, a, a rooftop party for all of the all of the graduates, and it'll be real cool to just see what everyone's doing. But they specifically use language of like, oh, you know, uh, like, partners are invited, obviously, and I know some of us have gone through some big changes and are nothing like who we used to be. You're welcome, too. It felt so much like they were calling me yeah, out. Yeah, they very much <laughs> were like, we're trying to be inclusive because we know that at least someone from our graduating class has completely transitioned into a different person. I think another <laughs> one did, too. Really? But I don't remember. Oh, that's I, awesome. I know there have been some in that I went to high school with who have came out as trans, but I don't remember if one of them was in my grade or not. I love that. Because I, I don't keep tabs on them enough to know, but yeah. I love that. I mean, ours ours has always been inclusive, but that's just because I went to a, a much bigger school. Like we had things like like GSAs and stuff, so like that like one of our one of our like prom court kings was gay. Like it, that was not a thing. And like we definitely had trans people in high school. Like we, we had no trans people. We had three gay dudes <laughs> who all dated each other and were awful to each other because <laughs> who y'all see you in a date. So then they would just be petty and fight with each other and we had a single lesbian. Yeah, back to that insulated biodome of high school where you're friends with people because you have to be and you date people because it's convenient. Yeah. And yeah, that's a I think that's, that's a big part of it, and I don't know. It's one of those things where I look back at a movie like Freaky Friday, and I definitely still feel very happy feelings about it, if only because of the Lindsay Lohan character, um, because it was so seldom that I saw, like, an alt chick that didn't feel like an alt chick that was like, oh, well, we gave her eyeliner and a studded belt, therefore... She's the alt chick. Yeah, also that she's a main character, not like a background character. Right. She wasn't like the side friend. Like, no, she's the main focus. And that character just felt very, it just felt very real to me. And I just remember being like, oh, no, this is, this is me. This is, this is my movie. And I still sort of feel that way when I look at it. I wish that it aged a little better. I wish that it didn't have some like offensive, like fake magic bullshit. Um as like a central part of its story. But in terms of how it makes me feel about my own girlhood, it, I, I guess it makes me feel very, uh, a little bit, a little bit more represented than yeah. what you see in typical teen girl movies. Yeah. I could so, agree with that. So, so Harmony in, in the, the vein of being asked to prom Freaky Friday, 2003 is asking you to prom. Do you circle? Yes, no, or maybe. And, do you send a message back? I say yes, 
and I demand that our prom band be Lindsay Lohan and her friends in formal dresses with no shoes playing <laughs> that song. What is it? Ultimate? Ultimate, yeah. I'm like, I'll jam to this. Why not? I, wa- I want to watch Lindsay Lohan bounce around on stage in her two-piece formal dress. <laughs> Pink slip playing Ultimate with no shoes on. Much better than a wedding reception. Also, like, I'm just going to, like, tag this in. I know we're supposed to be wrapping up, too. But the fact that the caterer gets canceled because Lindsay Lohan inside of Jamie Lee Curtis is tired of answering phone calls. And then that meant that the Chinese restaurant that body swapped them in the first place, they're the ones who get to cater the restaurant. I just remember thinking, like, I would be so stoked if I went to a wedding and the food was like, it was like a Chinese food. Yeah. Like dinner. I would be so happy. I went to a wedding one time where it was catered by Chipotle. Oh, I would have loved that. And I was honestly very okay with it. I would have loved that. <laughs> Keep your like elitist like steak and fish dinner. Give me, give me some Kung Pao. Give yeah. Me, give me. Give me lo mein. Give I need me my nudes. Mein. Give me them nudes. Oh yeah. That's great. All right. Well that, that wraps us up on today's episode of Freaky Friday. Of course, um, you can follow us on social media. Um, mine is at BJ Colangelo. Mine is at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. As always, we'd like to thank the awesome, awesome, awesome band, The Sonderbombs, who provide our theme song. You can find them on Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, wherever it is that you get your music. Listen to quite possibly the greatest band to ever come out of Cleveland, Ohio, and support them um, by, by purchasing some of their music. And fun, fun, fun thing that happened between the first episode and this one. Um, we also have a Twitter account for the podcast, and it is just at this ends at prom. Um, you can find, you know, maybe some hints on future episodes. You can interact with us both together on there, anything that you see fit. Uh, but we want to thank you all for listening. We will see you next week with another installment of This Ends at Prom. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.